0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Dave Koop, Senior Pastor of Coastal Church in Vancouver, Canada.
1: We're going into a series this month called Managing Your Life. And uh, there's different things you have to manage. You've got to manage your workplace. You've got to manage your family affairs. You've got to manage your personal schedule and all the rest of it. The best thing we can do is manage our life. God gave you life. Really, our gift back to God is what we do with our life, how we manage it. This could be a... A year-long series. It could be a two-year series, for that matter. But we're going to take one month, and we're going to look at a couple things that we can do in managing our life. So, today we're talking about managing our moods, and next we're going to talk about managing our words. And Then following that, we're talking about managing our choices, and then lastly, managing our relationships. And I would agree, if we can manage those areas, we'd be be on a pretty good path, right? So this morning, we're talking about managing our moods. Mood, by definition, is a temporary state of mind or feeling. And let me emphasize that word temporary. Moods don't last. They come and they go. You can be in a good mood for a while, and then it's gone. You can be in a bad mood for a while, and it's gone. Moods don't last. They come and they go, and they're based on feelings, emotions, attitudes, and so... We're going to talk about how we manage those moods. Moods can be up, me down. You have these ups and downs of life. How do we manage that? How do we keep that in perspective as we're going through life? In the couple services we had previous to this, we just opened it up and said, "Hey, what kind of word comes to mind when I say mood? What what description of the mood comes to your mind?" Yesterday, when I said that. Somebody said, well, snarky mood. I, somebody said a grumpy mood. Somebody else said romantic mood. So just tell me some moods here this morning. When I say mood, what, what comes to your mind? Can Let's start at this section over here. When I, come, when I say mood, what comes to mind in this section? Happy. Happy mood. Okay, we like that. Happy mood. Fantastic. This section, Any volunteer a mood from this section? changeable mood ah we haven't had that one changeable mood okay this section over here when we say mood what comes to mind you're in a quiet mood but let's have another one (laughs) when i say mood what would you come what would you say who's bold bonky a bonky mood that's another new one bonky i've never been in that mood but that sounds interesting a bonky mood okay we say this section here when we say mood what comes to your mind what is it a relaxed mood very good okay let's move over to this section here when you say mood what comes to your mind goofy. goofy two of them are saying goofy this is officially the goofy section right here goofy <laughs> mood very good i like that the goof off mood we sometimes cheryl and I say, let's just go goof off we need to goof off a bit okay this section over here what comes to mind colorful mood. Ah, I haven't had that one either. There's some good ones this morning here. Okay, this section, you guys here, what comes to mind? We say mood. Anxious mood. Ah, very good. And then this section here, we say mood. What comes to mind? Creative mood. Very good. So there's lots of different moods that we can have in life. We could spend all morning just naming different types of moods, but how do we manage those moods so that they don't manage us? Well, number one, You have to recognize what kind of mood you are in. And uh, it's always nice to recognize it before somebody else recognizes it. When somebody comes up to you and says, why are you in such a lousy mood? Uh, It's probably better we recognize it before somebody tells us we're in a lousy mood. It's better to make an adjustment ahead of time. Now, I guess if they say, man, you're in a great mood today, well, hang on to that. That's good. But we'd like to know what kind of mood we're in. Cheryl and I have been married for 33 years. And after being married a while, you get to spot each other's mood when you're in it. And uh, Cheryl has a great way of checking me if I'm in a in a in a mood. And uh, sometimes, to be honest or transparent this morning, I don't want to get out of my mood. I, I want to be grumpy a little bit longer. You know, I, I just want to kind of stay in this pity party type mood a little bit longer. I know none of you would ever be there, but sometimes just like, no, you know, I don't I don't want to get I this thing ticked me off. I'm bothered and I, I want to spend a little more time just kind of in this place. But she doesn't let me stay there. She's Dave, what okay, what's going on? What's happened? Uh what's what's what is it, you know? I said, No, I'm I'm fine, I'm fine. She's no, no, what what is it? A couple of weeks ago we had a friend of ours, Peter Van Breda, speaking at church, and his wife Gabby was here with him. And we were chatting afterwards, and she repeated a phrase that her professor often used at school. She just had finished her master's, and she said, Her professor often used this phrase, and it was, What's going on when what's going on is going on? I know I had to think about it a couple times too, but what's going on when what's going on is going on. So if you're in this mood, what's going on behind the scenes? to put you in that mood. And Cheryl will challenge me on that, and sometimes I'll challenge her on that. I you know, what's going on with this going on? What's, what's happening back there? And uh, it's good. We need to challenge one another. One of the ways to manage your moods is to be open to somebody to speak into your life. And we read this in James 5, verse 16. It says, confess to one another, therefore, your faults, your slips, your false steps, your offenses, your sins, and pray also for one another that you may be healed and restored to a, look at this, spiritual tone of mind and heart. Sometimes we need a tune-up in our moods. Instead of letting our moods lead us, we need to tune them, adjust them. And having somebody else speak in your life is a great way to do that. I heard Joyce Meyer say something once that stuck with me. She said, don't stuff your stuff or you'll never get over your stuff. Sometimes we we stuff it in, we don't share it, we just kind of keep this thing and we don't come out with it. One of the ways to manage your moods is to be willing to talk to somebody you trust about what's bothering you so that you can move on. Secondly, how do we manage our moods? We do it by not letting our moods manage us. Rather, let your mood follow your trust in God. Your moods should follow faith. Faith is the engine and your mood should be the caboose. Do you remember trains used to have cabooses? I don't think they have cabooses anymore, but they they used to have cabooses. And you'd drive up to the train tracks, the train was coming. I remember as kids when we'd sit in the car with our parents and the train was coming and you'd count the train cars and you always waited for the caboose to come. Because in every storybook, the caboose was always a warm, friendly, fuzzy character in the story of trains. And the caboose would come and, yay, there's the caboose, the last car, and it was the last one that's your mood your mood's the caboose the engine is your trust or your faith in god the mood follow us if we try to put the caboose in front and the engine in the back it doesn't work our life is to be led by faith the just shall live by faith it doesn't say the just shall live by their mood if you live by your mood you don't get a lot done because you say well i'll go to the gym when i'm in the mood how often does that happen not too often. Or, you know what? I, we used to say to our kids, kids, you got to make your bed. So I'll make it when I'm in the mood. They don't make the bed when you're in the mood. When I grew up on the farm, my dad used to come early in the morning. At the end of June, beginning of July, we baled hay. And at 5 o'clock in the morning, he'd come knock on our door, and he'd say, boys, get up. we are got to go bale hay. No teenage kid wants to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and go stand behind a tractor and... Put bales in a stook. You just don't have a lot of desire to do that. And my response to dad would be, I'm not in the mood to get up at five o'clock. But for some reason, that didn't work. We had to get up anyhow, whether we felt like we're in the mood or not. And uh, one of the things I'm thankful for my father, too, I have a great dad. He's since gone on to be with the Lord. But one of the greatest things my dad gave me was a work ethic. And uh, we weren't always in the mood to work, and sometimes we thought Dad overworked us. He didn't, but at the time, we we thought that way. I, I don't know if you found this out or not, but when I was five or six, my early memories, my dad was the smartest man in the world, bar none. He was amazing, like right up here, way up here. Then something happened as I entered my teenage years. He wasn't smart. He, I mean, my, when, when I got to be about 17, 18, he wasn't bright at all. He was, dad, I don't know what, you know, nothing. And it, it bottomed out when I was 19, 20. But then amazing, something happened. Since then, he came right back up, and he's today the smartest man. You know, I don't know if you've had that with your parents or not, but there's this valley that they go through when you're in your teens where they're not as smart. But then after that, they get smarter. I realized that my dad was instilling in my life great work ethics, which today I'm very thankful for. A lot of times when we weren't in the mood, we still had to do it. And I'm glad I had a parent who said, "No, you don't get to live by your moods. If you want to make something out of your life, you move on whether you're in the mood or not." First John chapter five verse four says, "For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. We don't get victory over the world. With our mood, we get victory over the world by faith, by trusting in him. Just before you turn that page over, and I hear them all turning, I forgot Proverbs 3.5. So let's just go back and hit that verse before we go on. It says here, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, all your ways, would you say that with me this morning? All your ways acknowledge him. And What happens? He will direct your paths. What's that? That's trust. That's faith. I'm acknowledging him, and he directs my paths. You know when we get in trouble a lot, folks, is when instead of acknowledging him, we acknowledge our mood. And we let that direct our paths, and then we get in a predicament. Thank God he comes along and bails us out. But, boy, we've done that. I've done that. In the early 80s, I did something stupid. I was ever had an impulsive buying mood. There's always more women that laugh at that than guys for some reason. All the services that's been that way, but I was in an impulsive buying mood. I've always liked the classic muscle, muscle cars and uh, still like them to this day. And we were living in Calgary, I was in school, and I was looking in the paper and I saw this 1969 Camaro for a sale. I said to Shell. Shell, this is underpriced. Let's buy this thing. We'll sell it. We'll make $1,000 for my schooling. And she said, okay, let's go take a look at it. So we drive out and I look at this car. It's, you guys would know what I'm talking about. It's it's hugger orange. It's amazing. It's got the rear spoiler. Here's a picture of it. You got to, you got to see this. (laughs) This is, there you go, 69 Camaro. It looked like that. That's not exactly, I have a picture of it somewhere, but it was, that was it. And uh, now, guys and ladies, you got to understand this. It's not just looking at it. You get it and you smell it and you hear it. Ba-boom, 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 ba-boom. It's got that, you know, high lift cam and it just idles really nice. And I am in an impulsive mood. And so I said to Shachel, this, this is it. We can we buy this and we'll sell it in the summer. And I'm thinking, I get to drive this all summer. And then we'll sell it at the end of summer. That's good. Uh, I don't want to be distracted. So, <laughs> I we we made it, took it for a drive, and as I was looking at the car, I said, you know, it's a little bit different than other Camaros. I was fairly familiar with Camaros, the Z twenty eight, the RS, the SS, and these different models. And I thought, this is this one's a little bit different. It doesn't have as much badging and striping as some of the others. The interior's pretty plain, and it looked like a stock seat belt, but it was a wider than normal seat belt. I thought that's kind of strange. Maybe they just put in a different seat belt. So we made a deal with a guy and gave him a good down payment and went home. I met my brother. My brother was living with us at that time. And I said to I said, Wes, you know what? Man, I came across a great deal. You like 69 Camaros, right? He goes, yeah, Dave, they're great cars, whatnot. I said, well, you know what? We're, we're buying one. We're going to resell He says, oh, great. I said, yeah, the only problem, Wes, is I kind of stepped out and just already made the deal, but I don't have enough money. I wonder if you could borrow me $1,500. He goes, what? Dave, you don't do it that way. You Don't buy something and then come ask me for a loan. I said, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. So it was a dumb thing to do, but I did it. And my brother said, okay, I'll help you. And he was kind of interested in driving it anyhow. So we, we, we bought this car. I get this car and we go to sell it. And the car is a lot of fun to drive. The only problem with driving the car is you can actually watch a gasket do this while you drive down the road. It just <laughs> burned a lot of gas. But it really went, guys. It was Cheryl didn't like driving because she says like driving on ice. The tires just always spin, and so she didn't really like driving it. It was okay by me. That means I got to drive it more. So we had this car, and we went to sell it, but we couldn't sell it. Nobody called. We put the ad in the paper. did what we'd always done. Nobody would buy it. Finally, at the end of the summer, we said, okay, we've got to get rid of it. We need the money for school. Let's put it on a consignment lot and try to get rid of it that way. This became like a white elephant to us. We were really struggling with this thing. And by now, we had recognized it. Our problem was this. We did not acknowledge God. We didn't trust him. It was an impulsive mood, and now we're needing God to bail us out. So we put it on this consignment lot. We said, oh, God, please forgive us. Please help it sell. It sold. We got enough money to recover our cost, enough money to help with schooling, and we just said, thank God that's over. I was glad the orange monster was gone. We didn't have that thing around anymore. I was trapped. So, 10 years go by. God has a sense of humor. 10 years go by, and I get a phone call. We're living in Saskatchewan this time. And a guy calls up and says, hey, did you once own an orange 69 Camaro? I go, yeah, I did. I didn't want to talk to him about it. And he said, "Um, do you have the serial number handy? I go, it's in a file downstairs. I can get it. He was asking me questions. He says, look, I'll get it for you. I read him the serial number. He goes, what did you sell that car for? And if I remember correctly, it was like $3,000. And there was a long pause on the the, other end of the phone. And he said, you have no idea what you had, do you? I was was a 69 Camaro. It was kind of plain. He said, no, 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 no. It was a certified office production order. It was a Copo Camaro. If you go to Bear Jackson auction, they sell for about $300,000 today. They're very, very rare Camaro. They came from the factory to do the quarter mile in 12 seconds. They were, they they were they were a very fast car in a straight line. That was about it. But they were they're were a cool car. They're one of the collector's items' gem today. But we had no idea what we had. I said, Cheryl, this is what we had, and Cheryl says, "That's what we get for not acknowledging God. We had not put God in the equation, and so He couldn't even direct our paths." So. Don't be led by your mood, <laughs> be led by faith. Acknowledge God in all your ways. Would you look at your neighbor and just say, acknowledge God in all your ways. Number three, how to manage your moods. Now, this is really important. You've got to listen carefully because you could, you could get this mixed up. First, nurture your mood from the inside and then the outside. The world has a lot of different ways to help your mood on the outside, and a lot of them are really good. They're great ideas, and they work. For example, if you get up in the morning, some people, if they have a coffee in the morning, they're in a better mood. Uh, That may be some of us here this morning. Don't look around. That might be you. If you have a coffee, you're doing better. Uh, We can be in a better... uh, Last night, there was a couple sitting over in this section when we said what kind of mood... Do you think of when we say mood? They said romantic mood. And they had their, they, you know, they are snuggled up beside each other and they said, oh, yeah, romance. And you can have a romantic mood, have some candles, have some music, and there's this rom- ro- romantic uh, ambience. And so you can have that kind of a mood. And that comes from the outside. You could uh, uh, go work out. If you go exercise, you come back in a better mood. You know, you have. Uh, You release some endorphins, and and you're feeling better because you worked out. You went for a run, you went for a walk, and it can affect your mood. Those are all fine, but we're talking about the inside. First, nurture your mood from the inside. Because there are days when you can't do anything. Your circumstances can't change your mood. They can't have an influence on your mood. You could be standing in an airport, and you're through a security line, and there's an hour line up ahead of you, and you're thinking, I'm gonna be late for my flight, and you just feel the tension around you. You know, moods are contagious. If you're in a bad mood, other people around you can be in a bad mood. If you're standing in an airport lineup and somebody's ticked off, and then somebody else gets ticked off, that thing just starts jumping on everybody else. Well, you can't change your circumstance. You can't even put your MP3 player on. You can't call somebody. You could be just like, Where do I go? How do I change my mood? This is so important because you have inside of you as a believer a river of living water that 24-7 is there to bring joy, to bring peace, to bring a change to the mood in your life. Now, again, we're not led by mood. Mood is the caboose. Faith is the engine. But we have inside of us a source of strength and peace that's always there for us. Wow. Now, we want to make sure that our circumstances don't dictate our mood. Proverbs 12, 16 says a fool is quick-tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. So even though that circumstance may be bad, you can maintain a strong, healthy mood by putting God first. Look what Jesus said in John seven thirty seven to 39. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood... Can you picture Jesus standing on the canvas of your mind? Have a picture of Jesus standing. A big crowd around him. It's a festival. A lot of people. A lot of noise. And he's going to make an announcement. It says here, he shouted to the crowds. So I'm going to read it the way he would have said it this morning. If you're thirsty, come to me. If you believe in me, come and drink. For the scriptures declare that rivers of living water will flow from within. Now, it made the religious people nervous back then. It still makes them nervous today. He speaks out with a shout and a cry to people. Why is he shouting? Why is he raising his voice? Because he really wants the people to get it. That there is coming a river that will flow from within you. Because it says in the next part, when he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. Folks, if you believe in him, there's a river on the inside of you that never changes, that brings joy, that brings peace, that has a dynamic influence upon your mood, your emotions, and your attitude. There's a river on the inside of you. He said, this was about the Holy Spirit would be given when he was glorified. After he died and rose again, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And that spirit of God comes and lives in your spirit. You are a spiritual being. God is spirit. And when you accept him into your life, his spirit comes and is galvanized with your spirit. And that becomes a source of strength, of joy, of peace, anytime, anywhere, any lineup, any place. You can nurture that from the inside. Wow. The peace of God that he gives us is on the inside. The world can only try and improve your condition on the outside. Now, only you can give away your joy and peace. People can't take it from you unless you let them. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, you just make me mad. You tick me off. Man, you frustrate me. You really upset me. If somebody frustrates you, ticks you off, makes you mad, this might hurt a little bit, but I have to tell you the truth, they now control you. They just took your joy. They took your peace. Actually, they didn't take it. You gave it to them. If others frustrate you, change your mood, They're now in control of you. Peace and joy are powerful. If you have peace and joy, you're in a position of strength. You're in a position of power. If you lose that, you're in a position of weakness. Sometimes I think people, like the saying goes, misery likes company. And if they see you have joy and peace, or even if you're just in a good mood... They say, man, I don't want you in a good mood because I'm not in a good mood. If I'm going to be miserable, you're going to be miserable too. So let me do what I can do to make you miserable because misery likes company. You don't have to give into that. You don't have to give away your joy. That's their disease. That's their issue. You don't have to catch what's going around. Inside, sometimes you just need to say, I am not going to receive that. If you got an issue... There's something going on with what's going on that you are the way you are. That could be. It could be at work. It could be in your home. It could be in the community. It could be in the elevator riding up. But guess what? We have a strength that comes from on the inside. Look at John chapter 14, 27. It's there in your notes. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Endless supply. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. I will give you a peace. You don't have to be afraid. Neither let it be afraid. Let it be afraid. So if we can let it be afraid, we can also let it not be afraid. That means it's up to you what you let happen. Jesus said, make the tree good, it'll have good fruit. Make the tree bad, it'll have bad fruit. But it's up to you what you let happen. You can go to that strength from on the inside. Gideon is a good example of somebody who had a revelation of the peace that God gives. It's the first time God uses the name Jehovah Shalom, that he is peace. Gideon tells God when he's chosen, God, I think you got the wrong guy. Um, I'm from the least of the least, and you could probably pick guys that are better suited for the job than I am, and uh, he's really struggling with what God is asking him to do. But at that point, when he is up against some incredible odds... God comes along, and for the first time in the Bible, first mentioned in the Bible, God says, my name is Jehovah Shalom. I am peace. Now, he's going into battle. You think God would have said some other name. In the battle, God's going to give him peace. He's, he's got 30,000 people in his army. The army he's fighting has got more than that, and God says, you got too many people, so he trims it down to 10,000 people. And Gideon's looking around, man, I'm way outnumbered now. And God says, you still got too many people. I'm going to trim it down to 400. He's outnumbered in this story, 450 to one. But you know what he has? When the odds are stacked against him, listen carefully today, folks. He had the peace of God. When you have joy, when you have peace flowing from your heart, you're in a position of strength when you go into the challenges that we have in life. As we draw strength from that, as we put our faith and trust that God is with us, it says a greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world in 1 John 4, 4. And when we draw strength from that, our mood will begin to reflect it as we put our trust in him. Another way that we can manage our mood is by praise and thanksgiving. Remember the song we used to sing? Uh, put on the garment of praise for the spirit, I, I wish I could sing, of heaviness. Anybody remember that song or is it just... Okay, there's a few of us that really dates us or something. But we used to sing that song, as out of Isaiah 61.3, put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. The spirit, the mood of heaviness. What do I do? I'm I'm in a blues mood. I'm in a down mood. What do I put on? You put on a garment of praise. Somebody says, oh, Christianity is just a put on. Well, you're, you're kind of right. It is a put on. You have to make a choice to put on a spirit of praise. And there are days when you don't feel like putting on worship. You don't, you're not in the mood for worship. You're in the mood to go back to some old rock and roll song you listen, used to listen to. You know, let me get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Hey, you'll drift somewhere. You'll drift over a ditch somewhere. <laughs> you got to put your, you got to make a choice. And I'm going to make a choice to rejoice. And the, the way it works is you got to prime the pump. When you first start worshiping God, your hands won't feel like going up in the air. But trust and faith in God will lead you. I'm going to, I'll worship you. I don't feel like worship, but I will put on the garment of praise. I, a lot of people miss it on this simple point. They don't live in the joy and the victory that God has for them because I just don't feel like singing. I don't feel like worshiping. I don't feel like putting on praise and worship in my car. I don't feel like putting in my home. Hey, the feeling's the caboose, remember? If you want to have the joy and the victory that God talks about, you say, That's the caboose. I'm not led by my mood. I am led by faith and trust in God. Paul and Silas are in jail. They've been whipped. They've been beaten. They're bloody. They're in chains. They can't move. Their wounds are getting infected. They got every reason to be in a bad mood. But in Acts chapter 16, you know what they're doing? In the midnight hour, the darkest time of their life, they're singing and they're worshiping God. It says in Acts 16, it's there in your notes, the other prisoners couldn't believe their ears. I can't believe it. These guys got it so tough, and yet they're worshiping God. Why? Because it changes their mood. And when you start driving that train, it takes you right into the miracle zone. They were in a miracle zone. And all of us can do the same thing. How do we manage our mood? I want to show you a story of a lady that attends our church. Michelle 's part of our church, and her your life inspires me michelle she 's here with us this morning in this service, and we shared the other service that really ministered to them, Michelle as well she 's a single mom, has a, a child with special needs, and she inspires me because she makes a choice not to be led by her moods but to be led by her faith in Christ. This is going to encourage you today as you watch this. So let's take a moment to watch this story, this testimony, and then we'll wrap it up.
0: Uh, My son Joshua was born with an undiagnosed brain disorder. He's in a wheelchair, he's unable to speak, and he needs help to do just about anything. He's bright, understands everything, has a great sense of humor, and he loves people. He loves sports. He loves to be involved with anything where the action is. So as a mom, I was, you know, I, was, I was always asking, what can I do to get him involved, to get out of the house and to go do things and to include him? Um, you know, in social activities, in community activities, and in sporting events. I began running as a way of taking care of myself and as a way of getting strong. Joshua's getting big and getting bigger still. And uh, I'm a single mom, so all of the care for him is on me. And um, I, needed to be, I needed to be physically strong and, and also mentally strong in order to handle the demands of caring for him. Joshua can't play soccer he can't play hockey he can't play baseball but he can go running with me so it was something we started doing together and uh, it was something that he really enjoyed doing and we started running races together because there was other people and he loved other people and uh, and an opportunity to get cheered on and every kid every person needs to get cheered on and uh, and this became this became a, a way for us to be involved in the community, a way to do something fun together, and, uh, and something that he really enjoyed doing. I was inspired by a father and son team who run marathons together down in the States. And as I tried to find other moms who had pushed their disabled son or child, in a marathon. I couldn't find anybody. I even contacted the Guinness World Records and uh, they didn't have anybody on record of uh, a mom pushing a disabled child. So I think I'm the first mom who has pushed her son, disabled child, in a full marathon. Uh, my next goal, my next, big, my next big dream is to run the Boston Marathon pushing my son. Um, I know there's only three other teams that have run the Boston Marathon in 114 years, uh, with an able-bodied pushing a disabled, Um, but I hope to be the first mom pushing her son in the Boston Marathon. So when Josh was one, my husband uh, said he wanted out of the marriage, and I desperately tried to save the marriage. Um, I, I got married for good, so I tried, I did everything I could to save a marriage, to save my marriage, and it turned into a horribly abusive situation. I was really in a, in a very uh, broken and needy place, and coming to Coastal, um, the prayer support, the, the preaching where the rubber hits the road, <laughs> just helped me get back on my feet. The only way that I've gotten through is because of my faith, and, um, and sometimes it feels like the, uh, the, the adversity has, you know, becomes insurmountable. Um, God lifts me up and keeps me strong and enables me, empowers me, inspires me to, to do the best I can for Josh and to not just get through this, but to rise above it. As life is unfolding, I'm learning how important it is to have a vision in your life, to have a goal, a purpose, something to work towards. And as, as, I'm, you know, as I'm running races with Joshua, it's turned into a great opportunity to not just do something fantastic with Joshua, but it's becoming uh, an opportunity to advocate for families with disabled children.
1: Yeah, let's thank God for that testimony. Michelle, you're an inspiration to us and your faith, as is Joshua. And uh, as you heard her story, you know, a couple of things that perhaps you spotted, I did as well, that she said everybody needs somebody to cheer them on. And one of the greatest ways to manage your mood is to stay in fellowship. She talked about coming to church and being plugged in and being part of a community of faith. And that ties in with First Thessalonians 5.11. It's there in your notes. It says, so speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so that you'll all be together in this. No one left out. No one left behind. I like what Paul says here. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing it. And I think he's saying to us today, the Lord, to Coastal Church, I know you're already encouraging one another, but just keep on doing it. And sometimes he's look at somebody and saying, oh, you know, they look, like, they look like they're doing pretty good. I don't need to encourage them. Yeah, they do. Even people that look like they're doing well, they still need to be encouraged. Encouraged, the Bible says, one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And that keeps that well flowing from within us. Then the other thing that Michelle said near the end was about her dream, her vision. And we all go through highs and lows in life. Some days our moods are are, are great, other days we're we're working through a mood, through an issue. And if we have a vision, if we have a purpose, we have a dream, we'll say, you know what? I must go. I don't feel like it today. But I'm not basing this on feelings. The feelings are the caboose. I must move ahead by trusting, by faith in God. There's a vision. There's a dream. There's a purpose for my life. And that's what keeps me going when the times are challenging. Joshua's a dreamer. They called him a dreamer. It's a compliment if somebody calls you a dreamer, somebody has a vision. Dreams are necessary to stay in a healthy mood. If we don't have a dream, then we don't have a purpose to live. Proverbs 29, 18, classic verse. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Another translation says they lack restraint. They don't don't have the drive that needs to be there to go forward. As we wrap up this message this morning, we've been talking about managing our moods. Don't let your mood manage you. You manage the mood. We do that by putting our faith in Christ. There is a river of living water that flows from deep within. We sang a song years ago. There is a river that flows from deep within. There's a river inside of you. Draw strength from it. Yes, there's things on the outside that help us and inspire us and all the rest of it, but there's something there 24-7. Greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. You are more than a conqueror. This is what overcomes the world. This is what gives us victory, even our faith.
0: Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to download free notes from this message or find out more information about Pastor Dave Coop then we invite you to visit our website at www.coastalchurch.org.